Hi, I'm Daniel Roof, the Real GM Radio Podcast, and I'm taking the Milwaukee Bucks over the Atlanta Hawks in their Game 4 on Tuesday. BetOnline has free odds and lines available online or on your mobile device. Visit BetOnline.net today. This isn't just basketball. This is the NBA playoffs. And with William Hill Sportsbook, you can dial up the playoff intensity from the palm of your hand. Just download the William Hill mobile app and your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free using promo code RADIORF. New users only. Must be 21 years or older and present in Virginia to bet. Paid in free bets. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. William Hill Sportsbook. Proud partner of the NBA. Let's make it interesting. Here, man, there's your mic. Got some headphones. You miss ODB, man? I miss him, man. Although, you know, the son is Russell. Kind of, his son's kind of incredible, but yeah, yeah we miss him. Do you not know that's because he's got, they've got the, they've got his, his son, young DB, white DB. I had no idea. Let's bring it in and then yeah, let's get let's, yeah, here we good go. stuff here. Go for it, dude. Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of Hot Box, and I'm Evan Britton. And I'm Mike Tyson. Mike, we got a great guest today, man. Awesome guest. Exciting. Very awesome. This is very interesting guest we have here. Yeah, it takes a lot to get me out on a Saturday morning. I love To that. do a podcast. Thank you. And we not just podcast, that. but also to Hot Box. But I would like, I do this, I, you know, I come in here Sunday midnight, you know, three in the morning. Tell me Where when you, to come, I'm here. Where you from? I love that. John Heileman, everybody. Thank you, guys. It's just awesome to be here. This is, I've been looking forward to this day ever since we started talking about doing it. So here we are. And I grew up here, man. I yeah, grew up, not, not in El Segundo, but uh, in fact, you know, my dad moved here from, uh, from for the Midwest in the late 50s. He was from Milwaukee, and he when he moved out to California, the first job he had when he moved to L.A. was working for Litton Industries, a, a aerospace firm in El Segundo. So uh, we are we're like this is like feel like feels like I'm in my ancestral spiritual home. But I grew up in the valley, out in the far west valley, out near yeah. in uh, Canoga Park. Nice um, man. So that's my uh, that's awesome. my, and I was here for the first 18 years of my life, and then left and. Um, have not lived here since, but I come back a lot. So LA always feels like my my original. Where do you live now? I live in New York City. Okay, yeah. love it out there now. Huh? So you know, I, I moved from here, your your current home, to your old home. And in yes. fact, I lived my first place. I lived in uh, when I moved to New York in two thousand two, two thousand three. Was in Fort Greene. That's where I was Ooh, born. That's born where my dad lived. Yeah, so, Cumberland Hospital. Yeah, so I lived right on yeah. the park, right on on Washington, Washington Park. Right on Washington Park. Yeah. I lived on. I lived on at two hundred nine Washington Park yeah, on the no corner. Shit, my dad lives at two hundred eight Washington Park. Oh no, no. Fuck, that's that's crazy, man. That's that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh no. So my wife and that's I lived. My wife and I trip. lived there, right on the corner of, of Washington of Washington Park and DeKalb, like right and across, yes. right across. From I the lived on the Franklin between DeKalb and Willoughby. And that's that's and you know that park as you. You know, man, like now it's all gentrified. And so yeah. you, the park is great. You can go and hang out there with the dogs and everybody all day, all night. It's great. And it's beautiful. And 15 years before, 20 years before, you could not go in that park. I remember park. around 1977, they were filming a movie. That, I don't know. It was around 77, 76, I guess, with Education of Sonny Carson or something. And they had all the gang fight um, pictures in Washington Park. Mm. A little kid, we all went down there. Yeah, wow. And that's uh, it used to not be that. It, it, that was not a. Uh, that was not a place you went at night. No, scary. Not not a really place. Scary. North Portland Avenue, South Portland. Yeah, it's cra- it's cra- it's crazy how that that all that whole part of Brooklyn. You know, the Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, yeah. Bed Stuy. Listen, if you want like um white or Puerto Rican or Italian, you better not go around there. Yeah, right now, you know? not not the case now. It's yeah, like no. it's nice. It's actually one of the great like as that's that there, there's some places in Brooklyn that obviously totally gentrified, but that neighborhood. Still, that whole complex over there, Bed Stuy, Clinton Hill, uh, Brownsville. Browns, those yeah. are, yeah, Brownsville still has the Browns, yeah. that, that. <laughs> We, we got to change the name. Yeah, right. <laughs> the name is bad. It, bring, it, it brings up so much stuff from the past. But it's Brown. a nice mix over there. A lot of Brooklyn now, it's like you got yeah. these nice neighborhoods where it's like, you know, half, you know. You don't have to worry about somebody snatching your head off or something. That's that's true. And that's a, that's probably a good thing. But you, you, you lived there when it was a lot tougher. Holy moly. Mm. Listen, when I go there now, I said, was my life a lie? Yeah. Was that actually true? Did I live like this? This is not a place that somebody that had nothing and was on welfare and it's just unbelievable what they did there. How do you like California? California is God's country. Yeah. How long you lived here now? <laughs> I lived here before. I, I, I moved. I moved back here a year ago, but I lived here before in 80, 87. Right. 
88. And you moved back out here when? Um, last year. Last year. Yeah. Right. And so you're and you're this is it. You're here. You're you're done. Your California's going to be your home forever now. It appears that way, but I don't know. You what, look, you look pretty. At, you look at home here. I am at home here, but you just never know what um, the energy has in store for you. He's got this shirt. That's a that's a that's a shirt of a person who's a who's that's a cow, who's that's a, that's an LA, that's an LA shirt is what that is, right? Yeah. I did the opposite. I was born in New York City. Yeah, lived in Park Slope till I was ten. Then my mom moved my brother and I out to LA. Went lived in Burbank. Burbank, right down the 101 from you, man. Yeah. Listen, if you lived in New York, you wouldn't have this zen energy, man. You'd be a great. I know, I know. I might have just turned into a weed dealer <laughs> if I had stayed. It's, it's. I think it's the better the path. I mean, like I, I think that they, both places are great and they have great energy, and it's kind of great too. I don't know. I've, I always feel like I, I have become such a New Yorker, but I still have that California thing, like down. You know, it's like people in New York still. There's like the. You gotta you gotta have a metabolism to live Absolutely. in New York, right? You gotta have a sort of metabolism, high energy, high energy, right? But yeah. but then the question is: is there at the bottom of that is there stress and tension, or are you basically Connected. or are you basically chill, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think coming from California and living in New York, it's like there's a you know you keep my metabolism is pretty high, but there's also like this I still have like the California that core I, I still have this, I still have this California bottom that you know resonates I mean? with me yeah for you know sure. what I mean yeah it's like I think you meet people who like who can work in both places there's people you meet yeah. in LA who could never hack Handle. New York yeah and you meet people in New York who could never hack California yeah. LA they'd just be like they're lose they're, their minds lose their minds yeah. right but yeah. if you have that then there's this kind of category of person who can play in both places and yeah. like feels comfortable in both places and yes. I that's a good that's a good vibe people, I vibe with that too yeah, people totally. in New York um, are so amazed how friendly the people out here are yeah Wow, people in California are so cool. You know, you could talk to them. You don't know them. You can say hi to them. You would not say hi to somebody in New York if you don't know them. Yeah. How you doing? They just walk right by you. They mm-hmm. might get, who the fuck are you? <laughs> what? You hitting on me, motherfucker? <laughs> you know, New York is weird. You, if you don't know them, don't say anything. They don't have time. Yeah, don't say anything. People don't have time. I think I think most people, if you came up and said, hey, they'd probably say, oh, they'd yeah, probably say sure. hi. Yeah, listen. When it I was, was you. Um, this what happened one day. I was yeah. um came back to my own neighborhood. I was 14 at the time, right? And I was living with Cuff, so I had probably a year or two. So I have a whole different life reaction than back in black Brownsville. So I'm in Brownsville, and some guy on the street where I'm with my friend, and he said, what's up? I said, hey, what's up, man? Because I'm used to being, now everybody knows me. I fight, and everybody says hi to me upstate New York. So I come to here, and this guy says hi to me. Hey, say, hey, how you doing? And my friend said, yo, Mike, you know him? I said, nah. So what you say hi to him for? I said, I don't know. Fuck that nigga! Don't say hi to that motherfucker, and that's just how it was. Wow! You don't know him. Don't talk to him. And your friend was still in the Brooklyn mindset. Yeah, yeah. But that's kind of lifestyle it was. Yeah. Don't say hi to somebody you don't know. Yeah, dude. I remember that guy might be trying to hit on you or something. Yeah. This that's the mindset. I mean, in L.A., you might try to say hi to somebody, and they might be totally emotionally shut down. <laughs> but you know, dead. They're still dead. Dead in this, like dead. Yeah. Dead at the level of soul, just yes. completely dead soul. Yeah, but like a soul, least... like a, a zombie soul. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the, this, yeah. like the soul to... of one of those zombie dragons. But you have in Game to it's true. Thing, they have yeah. totally it's two true. different cultures. Yeah, yeah. It's totally two. Different. Totally different. <laughs> uh, but similar in certain aspects. I think there's a, a level of thinking happening in both cities. Yeah. That, you know, is very high level. New York is this way. Well, well it's funny and like LA is this way. Well, just yeah. on like just <laughs> even just, I mean, just even like you think about on the if you go, yeah, I lived I lived so I grew up here and then I've lived in a bunch of places. I lived in Washington DC and Chicago and London and uh and Boston, a bunch of places. And then at one point I went up and lived in San Francisco for about four years, um, like 1998 to 2002, right before I moved to New York. And what's cool is, um, and the thing that you're saying, I think that is true. If you think about these big, broad, uh, social change, you know, whether it's like, whether it's legalizing cannabis or gay marriage or the environmental movement or whatever, like big, like big things that have changed the country. Um, a lot of them start here. You know, it's like mm. in, a, a lot of them in Northern California and to some extent in Southern California where the social, the, the progress takes root in California and California is, you know, 10, 20 years ahead of the rest of the country. And then the sort of next, the East Coast, which everybody thinks of being as super liberal, everybody thinks California is super liberal too, but it's even though they're both liberal politically, the, the change often starts here. 
and then sort of gets adopted by other progressive minds outside of California. So it's like California is like the birthplace of a lot of I would those say big that changes. I would say that 100%. Yeah. And that is – The black power movement. Right. Of, yeah. Mm. California. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah. You think about all the shit in the late 60s that came out of that Northern California scene, whether it was like the free speech movement, the black power movement. The, the the Yeah. The, the, the environmental movement, computers, you know, and all the stuff around people taking control over – their lives through technology, you know, the notion of personal technology and yeah. the ability to like, you know, use these big computer systems. To come to this where to, we have this. Where it's individual, right? Yeah. That's like, that's a huge social change too. And a lot of that stuff took root up there. And then, you know, eventually kind of like the, the thing starts on the West Coast and gets adopted then on the East Coast and then eventually washes over the rest of the country when, you know, when it gets more broadly, uh, more broadly embraced. Uh, but that's why I think there's something in common between uh, California and, and New York, even though they're totally different in yeah. the vibe of the place and yeah. a lot of the, the metabolism is different. It's still the openness to new ideas, you know, tends to be – you see that. That's the thing that holds LA and New York are kind of in common. You get those places that are willing to embrace change in a way and then kind of push the boundaries of what's what's considered conventional or acceptable and, you know, still the case that cannabis isn't legal in New York State, you know, which is, know. you know, you think everybody says New York is like the most liberal place in the country. Right. It, but it's, but, you know, they're still behind on some stuff like that. You know, we're, we're going to get there and it's not going to be, it's not very far off now, but it's not, it hasn't been at the forefront of that change. What do you think about in New York City, the stop and frisk Situation. They still have that now. That they stopped that. Yeah, they stopped that. You know, it was uh, <laughs> they stopped. They stopped that. You know, De Blasio moved away from that. I think. You know, it was. Uh, you know, you think about the period. It's very Gestapoist. Yeah. yeah. You it, know. It was yeah. not. It was not. You know. You think about the three terms that Mike Bloomberg had as mayor were really good for the city in a lot of ways, and there were a lot of things that were. Um, you know, the city got better in in almost every way that you could that you could measure. But there were a few things that were still fucked up that needed to change, and I think that was one of them for sure. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's a it, you know, there, there's it takes time to change some stuff. You know, yeah, I mean, for but, sure. You know, that's a that's of course a, a a Giuliani thing. You know, from from where it started was mm. back before that, and you know, just uh, uh, it, it's a pretty good place now. You know, it is. New York's a pretty good place. It definitely is. It's a mecca when I go there. I get to visit probably once a year. And you said you grew up in Park Slope? Yeah. Born in Park Slope? Yeah. Well, born at St. Vincent's yeah. in New York City and, you know, then grew up in Park Slope. So you and Mike basically have like Brooklyn, have kind of like Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn DNA in common. Yes, That's why do. you guys are doing this podcast together. That's how we came together. I believe so, yeah. You guys have the 718. Yeah. Down in, deep in your, deep in your, in your gut somewhere, yeah. you got the 718. Absolutely. Okay. The 718. 718. Big time, bro. Mike, do you watch much football? No, but I watched some football the other day. I think it was the San Francisco, and then I watched, um, was it the Kansas City Chiefs? Yep. Yeah, they played really good, right? Yeah, great. And they played good. Great the quarterback football this weekend. Is a fun guy. He's exciting to Mahomes. watch. Yeah, he's exciting to watch. Unbelievable to watch. Really exciting. I think he's one of the best players I've ever seen. Listen, right? in the history of the league. I don't know if he's the greatest ever, but listen. He makes me feel like he's the greatest ever because yeah. he gets me. I'm excited. I was excited watching, and I'm not a football fan, but I was. I'm excited when I see greatness. Yeah, and it was and it was enthusiasm. I saw enthusiasm, and that's the word I'm yes. looking for. Yes. that's what made me excited. So the Chiefs and the 49ers are in the Super Bowl this year. It's going to be a great game. All this talk. It's time to put your money where your mouth is and go to BetOnline.ag. Yeah, go online and take advantage of the off-bet bonuses in the business, you know? Since they are our friends and exclusive partners, you can set up a free account and use the promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Mike, what do you think about the Wilder vs. Fury fight coming up next month? Wow, this is going to be an exciting fight like the first one was. I'm always with Tyson Fury. How can I bet against a guy that has a name, my same name? I wow. can't do that. I'm always with Tyson Fury. If somebody's going to name somebody after me, how am I going to bet against him? I don't care if he was the worst fighter in the world. I'm going to be his fan until he's not fighting no more. That's it. Now that you're armed with that knowledge, visit betonline.ag and bet big with the fast payouts and high limits. 
Use promo code PODCAST1. That's PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, 1-O-N-E, for 50% sign-up bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Mike, I, I'm pretty beat up from my days of playing football. Had a lot of injuries. I had a shoulder injury, back injury. And back then, I don't know about you, but the only way they dealt with that pain was a lot of pills. Well, I didn't take pills, but they, they shot me up a lot with a yeah. non-novocaine. Shots. Yeah, shots. I was a shot. I loved shots. Did you ever use Toradol? Not that I remember. No. Toradol was big really? in the league. Man, you take a shot. You go into the doctor's office. Pull down your pants, and he'd take his giant needle, give you a shot in the ass of this stuff, Toradol. We called it the T-Train. And you felt like Superman, like you could run through a brick wall. Man, they still have that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, the NFL outlawed it. Yeah, I can imagine. Because, you know, once it wear off, you're murdered. You're dead, huh? Dude, you'd wake up the next day, you felt like you were hit But, you know, being younger back then... We just wanted to get rid of that pain for that moment, that 45 minutes, yep. that hour and a half, whatever it was, we didn't care what the circumstances were. You yeah. know that. Yeah, exactly. Well, nowadays, I mean, isn't it a blessing? You've started Tyson Ranch. You know the the wonderful powers, the the healing properties of CBD. Absolutely. And like before, I've never thought I'd ever be educated on nothing that, from such a fascinated perspective yeah. of my body and bodies in general. But, Mike, not all CBD is created equal. This is why I'm so glad we've discovered Feels. Feels is so amazing. Feels is like the premium CD delivered right at your door, man. I would love that. That's going to be so awesome on my Christmas list. This is high quality, full spectrum, with a complete cannabinoid profile. And it's third party tested, so you know you're getting the best. In other words, feel this for real. (laughs) That's right, dude. And if you're new to CBD, don't be scared or intimidated. I agree with that because feel is an amazing set of people and they will guide you right through your first CBD experience. Feels works naturally to help you feel better. And there's no high, there's no hangover or no addiction or nothing like that, of course, you know, what we worry about in taking these products. Yep. Feels has us feeling our best every day, and it can help you too. And again, become a member today. Go into the feels.com slash hotboxing. Get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash hotboxing to become a member and get 50% off automatically on your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash hotboxing. I lived in Brooklyn for, from, for 10 years, more than 10 years. And what happened in those 10 years from 2003 to about when I left in 2016. So I was there 13 years. Wow, fuck. Um, a long time. Um, I forgot it was that long. Um, I made I might have been stoned for part of that time. It's possible. Um, but what happened was Brooklyn became this big brand. You know, you think about when you grew up there, right? Like Brooklyn was like Manhattan was the shit, and yeah. and the outer boroughs were the outer boroughs, and exactly. but people thought Brooklyn was like less, right? And then Brooklyn, exactly. and then Brooklyn got super trendy, right? So it's like that whole the brownstone Brooklyn thing that was, you know, the Cosby family made that as a television show made really famous. And then Williamsburg, where I lived for a long time, became like the capital of hipster Brooklyn. So you would go to like Amsterdam or Paris or wherever, you know, Copenhagen, and people talk about Brooklyn now. Like Brooklyn is like, for a lot of people around the world, Brooklyn is cooler. Very hip. It's cooler in their minds than Manhattan is. For sure. New York Magazine, at some point in the middle of that, they did a thing about how uh, Brooklyn being, you know, the Manhattan, you know, and Manhattan's trying to catch up to Brooklyn because, like, if you were, you know, the 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 combination of it's a you know more racially diverse and all that kind of artisanal shit going on. That's and yes. all great, but listen, all that stuff is great going on. I'm still apprehensive about living there. Yeah, really. My past, my past experience make me apprehensive. I don't care how beautiful that place looks. Right. Huh. You know, just, whoa, be so careful. I, so if I took you back to Park Slope and we walked you down the street Well, I know Park what Slope, it looks like. Right, but you're walking down the street with a bunch of people with strollers. You'd still be like, you'd still have the, <laughs> the clenched up. You'd be like ready for a fight. No, I'm just saying anything can happen. 
Yeah. People could in Brooklyn, they just drive by in cars, get out of cars. They don't do more no drive by, but they get out of cars and start trouble. People, New York people. If anything, people see you, it's just weird. You know what I mean? I know Brooklyn for being violent. Yeah. You know, you're on Park yeah. Slope and you're not, and you, um, and you're not Italian, you're dead. Mm. You know, you're dead. If you in, um, Howard Beach, you, um, you're black, you're dead. Yeah. It's hard to, I think it's hard to get over, like, when you have a, the formative experience of your life where you have a certain kind of, like, you grew up someplace, it kind of doesn't matter if the place changes a lot. You still, no. it's still. I've seen them dead bodies on the street. Yeah. You know, you never forget that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's when hard. When I go there, I say, wow, I remember he got shot here. I remember they threw that um, big boat off the roof, on, on the refrigerator off the roof on the, on the cop's car here. And, you know, wow, this place is beautiful. White people live here now. Holy shit. That's how I think. I said, holy shit. I even saw that, are you white man? She said, yes, I am. I'm saying she's talking shit and everything. So I'm saying, whoa. They own the neighborhood now. It's just a trip. I had changed like that. Must have been fucking weird for you to do the Broadway show, right? Hey, um, yeah. Because I was um, when I was a kid, right down the street to where I would snatch people chains or snatch their pockets out their wallet, or people on the street was. After I did it, that next day I would come by and the people that owned the store. So you little motherfuckers start throwing things at me or chasing me because they saw me snatch the chain the other day. And now I walk down the street, everybody, Mr. Tyson, Mr. Tyson, gotta get your autograph, Mr. Tyson, Mr. Tyson, Mr. Tyson, and that's really freaked me out. What a trip! Yeah, it really freaks me out. What a trip! It's like, uh, I mean. You can't escape your past, right? No, I, I don't try to escape it. No, I mean just in general, people. I don't mean you, yeah. but I mean just in general, yeah. your past is your past. Like yeah. you have it's those there. Asso- those associations when the stuff that like that like your idea of what what a place is like from when you grew mm. up is so powerful. How yeah. much how it leaves those impressions that are never going to go away. Like somewhere, no matter what it looks like, no matter how much has changed, you still have the thing of like this is what it was like when I was when I was coming up, right? And that's- what was that movie? Um, when the old man had old, and the little kid had the old man. He said, "May I have more, sir? Please." What was the name of that? play you remember that play mm. he asked for more but the guy was the kind of guy he had all the little kids they lived in london he had all the little kids go out and steal and bring the money back to him but that was my life we had our parents we had our parents friends and our job was the raw people my parents my um my mother would have a boyfriend i have a man i don't know if it was a boyfriend i never saw him before to have a man come have sex with the man we'd rob him we cut his pockets we'd, you know rob him then have an older guy come up here and throw him out Something like that. What you doing with my woman? It was just everything was a scam. Everything was about beating the system. My whole life was um, fucking um, consistent about beating the system or the white man or whoever it was that owned this world. And we were fucking um, subservient people, but we had to come up some kind of way. I had no idea that I was just poor and I was uneducated. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know how I got put in this world. What was my crime? I think, you know... I think that your story is like one of the great American stories is what I think. I mean, I, I was watching, I watched on the way out here, uh, two movies that I'd seen before, but I watched them again just for the hell of it because I thought it'd be cool to watch them. I watched the Toback movie and then the, and then Spike's movie. And just thinking about the, you know, I think the, the, I mean, you, you got a lot of life in front of you. You, you and I were born like six months apart, right? You were born 66, right? So June. June 30th. So January 23rd, 66. So we're six, you're six months younger than me, yes. basically, right? So you got a lot of life still ahead of you. I hope we're going to be around for a while longer. So who knows where the story goes. But just this part of it, you know, you think about where you came from, what you live, the good and the bad, right? Just the whole arc of it. It's just a great, you know, if you think about America in the second half of the 20th century and, you know, now into the 21st century, the the story you lived from that description of your childhood through, you know, the rise, the fall, the rise, the fall. You've had a couple of rises, a couple of falls. It's a fucking great story. I mean, like, I, again, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. But like, as a as a story of of, of overcoming adversity, of reaching the highest heights, you know, and and then having to suffer various kind of challenges and setbacks and overcoming those and getting to where you are. It's like it's a you know, the story is the ending has not been written. Like I said, you got a lot more to go. But if you were gonna write like about a great you know, you're thinking about a like what would be a, among the many great American novels that could be written. This is a great. It's just a it's a fantastic 
It's a fantastic journey you're on. That's you know, what I think. That's, what I, that's what I think. It's an incredible. It's an incredible. It's an incredible that, right? fucking tale. Is what it is. It's interesting that you said it because um, life is um. I don't know, I explain it like this. When I said like, I know somebody that grandmother was a slave. I've known somebody who was old enough, and his grandmother was a slave. So I'm saying and he knew his grandmother, and he knew me. So this man knew a slave, and he knew me. Wow, the distance between the two, it seems so far away, but it's not. Yeah, it was like, it was one of the things Chris Rock talked about. Excuse I remember me. a few years ago, that's cool. A couple years ago, Chris Rock did an interview somewhere that I saw where he talked about how his grandmother, I think his grandmother, but not his mom, I think, but I think it was his grandmother who, in South Carolina, like within his lifetime, his grandmother used to have to go when she would get, uh, when she would have to have dental work done. She would have to go to the veterinarian mm. in South Carolina because, like, no dentist would see a black person. So if she had to get a tooth pulled or something, she'd have to go to the, dent- the veterinarian to get the dog to get her to get her tooth pulled, right? Oh yeah. And that was like, but that's like a thing where you're like, it's like Chris Rock, and it's like this was he did this thing. It was maybe four or five years ago. I remember reading this interview, but just to your point about like, he's like, you know, my grandmother used to have to go to the veterinarian to get a to get a, a, a tooth pulled, right? That's like within my lifetime. That's how fucked up things listen, were. Listen, no, um, yeah. This is interesting. This is very. This is. What we, do you know the scar? This has happened. This is the grandmother, but it left a scar on him. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yes. You don't even know this woman, probably. Yeah. But it left a scar on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how it is in all. Um, I don't know. I know definitely black communities were scarred from the past. You know, most of our pain is pain from the past. You know, and we um. We internalize them to the future. I mean, that's the other thing. I think if you've lived your life, you just got an incredible number of stories, too. Like, just, I'm a great, you know, I love story. I'm a storyteller, right? So, you know, I think about just having lived, you know, the things that people are obsessed with in America, right? They're obsessed with money. They're obsessed with fame. They're obsessed with winning. They're obsessed with celebrity. They're obsessed with a lot of, that's a lot of stuff that American culture is obsessed with, right? You, at various times, have been at the absolute pinnacle of all those things, right? The greatest winner in your, in your thing that you competed in, in your sport. You know, made a shitload of money, lived at the highest level of glamour, celebrity, fame, fortune, media attention, tabloid culture, going to prison. Like, I mean, all the shit that we're all obsessed with, at one time or another, you've been the, at the absolute top of the mountain – or the, 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 you know, going to prison at the absolutely, you know, the depth of the, val- the valley, you know. And again, people are obsessed in this country with prison too, right? Like we – people watch fucking prison shit on television all day long. You just have lived this like, you know, for all the categories of things people obsess about, you have had some experience with and not just an experience with but like the most extreme experiences with. And I just like – when I hear you tell the stories you tell, the memories you have, good and bad – I just think like it's kind of crazy that you've been at the center of so many of the different like things that people in this country spend hours and days and months like that's just obsessed with. That's right? interesting too that you say that because all these things you see, all these pinnacles of success, all these um, zenith and all this stuff, all I experience, and then I experience the total and none of it meant anything. Right. I haven't seen nothing. Right. It's nothing. It doesn't exist. Yeah. I haven't been anywhere. I haven't made my first step yet. So when, do, when does it happen yet? When I die? Do I start living then? Now that's where my mind is. What happens when I die? Good this, quite, it's a good this, question. This, That's one I can't answer. To this energy that I have, like the energy you have right now Even in your mind. Yeah. That. Whatever it is. Evan. What happened? Evan. What happened? I'm sorry. Evan? What happened Evan? with yeah. that energy? Did the energy it's die? Okay. It's okay. Huh? Did the energy die? Did this energy we have it just go black out and die? Or does it, you know, does it travel somewhere into a bug, a butterfly, a rock, a tree? What do you think? John, you know about I the toad? I don't have a clue. I know about the toad. And, you know, um, I do. And it, I, it, it's a... I think all of the – this is another category. Who of are you, John? Who, who am I? Where you came from? What's your purpose, John? Those are good questions. I got the toad right here in front of me or at least a version of the toad. Yeah. So I think, you know, it was funny. I was just literally on TV a couple of days ago talking to um, uh, to this guy 
uh, who wrote this book. Do you know this guy, Michael Pollan? Yes. Do you know who that is? Yeah, I'm just finishing How to Change Your Mind. Right. So Pollan is, you know, a famous, uh, famous writer, lives up in Northern California and had written most of his career about food. And, and, and particularly about vegetables. Like Ray has written uh, – wrote this book called The Omnivore's Dilemma uh, and, and yeah, wrote – great and, nutritional yeah. writing. So the dude's a, so the dude's like very – and he got interested in psychedelics because of his interest in, in plants like as a, as a – nutritionally and otherwise. But he's obsessed with plants, right? So – and he's written huge best-selling books. The Omnivore's Dilemma yeah. was, a, was a giant number one New York Times bestseller for a long time. So he wrote this book that you've read or are almost through. Yeah. And I'm sorry about the name thing. It's it all takes, good, it always man. takes me two. Dude, it's my tries. cross to bear. It takes me two, know? but it always takes me two times. We just met. So I got, I'll never fuck it up again. Thank you. Um, but he wrote, so he's written this book about, uh, about the psychedelic movement now, like where it is now, not the sixties version, not tune in, turn on, drop out, not like the, and that there's right. like a lot of legitimacy to that too. But he gives a little history of that, which I thought which was is helpful. Cool. Yeah. But but it's funny because his book um, is about the fact that the to a large extent about what's going on with uh, the increasing acceptance in the medical community of the therapeutic benefits of various kinds of psychoactive drugs. So mm-hmm. it's like from from MDMA ecstasy yeah. to organics like psilocybin and the toad and other like organic ibogaine, other stuff that people take that grow out of the ground. But all of that stuff, which was, you know, demonized for a really long time. And to some extent, LSD still is. Um, But all of that stuff, which was demonized by the culture for so long, now it's starting to change. And, And it's starting to change because of a relatively small number of people who were, who have fought this fight for years and years. A friend of mine, when I was, uh, at, I went to Harvard as a graduate student at the Kennedy School of Government. I see you. And um, I'm ah. <laughs> <laughs> I say that though not to be not to brag, but just because I met a guy there in 1988 whose name was Rick Doblin. Oh yeah, of course. Head so, of Maps. Head of Maps. So multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies. And Rick had started Maps a couple years earlier when I met him in '88. Mm. And so I've known that guy now 40. That's 30 years. 30 over 30 years. I met Rick. And Rick at in 1988. Was talking about how MDMA, hmm. psilocybin, marijuana to a lesser extent, but he was mostly focused on the psychedelics, yeah. had these potentially huge therapeutic benefits for terminal cancer patients, for uh, soldiers with PTSD, for all that stuff, right? And this was 1988, yeah. okay? Wow. In 1988, it's we were. I thought in 1988 there was no way that, that weed would ever be legal. There was still a huge <laughs> thing that you had to decide in 1988 if you went to get a job someplace like. Am I going to allow myself to be drug tested? That was like the fucking war on drugs. Yeah, that was, was the thing back then. I don't want to know. I got drug tested. No drugs. Right. But that was the, <laughs> but that was the big discussion, right? You yeah, had for sure. Nancy Reagan, just say no. All that shit was happening. Those, you know, it was, that was a big cultural moment. So to have somebody in 1988 say to me, Hey, you know what? Like, first of all, weed's definitely going to be legal in our lifetime. I'm like, I don't think that's no true. Way. I like, I remember how they, they, he were sitting in his apartment. He's holding a bud this big. And I'm like, okay, I like that. Let's smoke that. I can smoke that whole bud. And I still, you're not going to convince me that that's going to be legal in my lifetime. And now it's mostly there, right? But he also was talking about the psychedelic stuff. And he was like, this is my cause, right? I'm going to try to work within real legitimate government channels to get the FDA and the DEA and all of the the, the appropriate authorities to re schedule some of these drugs so that we can start to a, a do research on them to prove that they're medically beneficial and then to start actually using them with people who can who need them right in 1988 and i was like rick i love you and i believe in this cause and i had done all those drugs and i love them all and i thought they were great and i could see like i'm not just from a recreational standpoint i could see what he was talking about i'm like i can imagine that a cancer patient or uh, someone Soldier, with PTSD. Yeah. These could be powerful things that could alleviate people's pain and help them to uh, help them to 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 heal. To, 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 to heal and to achieve higher understanding and all that stuff. But I thought the guy was fucking nuts to think that that was ever going to be achievable on a timeline that would be meaningful to me and him. And I was just totally fucking wrong because now I'm sitting on television three days ago with Michael Pollan, and Michael Pollan's written a best-selling book about how it's happening. Yeah, like. At 
the best medical schools, the best research institutions in the country are breaking through and saying, yeah, you know what? This shit's real. This is, this is going to work. It is therapeutic. It is legit. The harms are minimal, if any, and we need to change the laws. And, and the it, laws and are not changing. And it inspires changing. you. And it's inspiring, of course. And so the laws are changing and we're breaking through. And yeah. so, you know, I think, you know, it's like I've, I've given up my, my, I, I always was hopeful about these, this, these achievements and this progress. But I was skeptical about it because I thought the culture would fight back. But I'm now – I'm like, you know what? Like the progress is happening on all these fronts so much faster than anybody ever thought it would happen. And there's still a long way to go. But now I'm like, you know, I think we're going to get there. And, yeah. and, we're, and people who need these medicines are going to get them and people who, who need them for – who aren't even as extreme as cancer patients or, or people with, with PTSD. People are going to – like we're – like the progress is happening. This is a place where there's a lot of fucked up stuff in our world but – on this front, you well, can think, see every day that things are getting better. They're absolutely. getting better. So, well, I think that the the state of this country, of the world, the state of consciousness that we're in, is calling these things out. You know, yeah. that's why people are being drawn to these. Need to um, realize that some things on this world that we can't explain. Well, exactly. have you guys? I don't know how much you guys have talked about this on the podcast, but what what got what made you start to experiment in this area? I don't know how much you guys have. You guys might and talk the, about this the, all the time. The I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This what, is interesting. Have you guys spent time on this oh, on this podcast oh, yeah. a lot? We talk okay. about it a lot. This is going to be so very interesting. It might be repeat, so it might be repetitive for some of the <laughs> listeners, but I'm interested. I no, just want to no, know, man. Yeah, I want to know which, how you got there. Oh, listen, I'm I'm a, I'm an addict. I'm a really I'm a bad addict, and I'm a drunk, and um, I'm sexy. Oh, I'm just, I'm addicted to everything. Okay, so I'm living my life, doing my cocaine, doing all my stuff, and one day um. I don't care. And so we're doing a pod like you, and this guy's a doctor. Yeah. And he's talking about some kind of drug that's going to make me see God. 5-MeO-DMT. And this, and it's going to like being in heaven. You're going to die. And I said, where is it at? He said, I have it right here. Well, I said, well, give me check it. let me check it out. Let's check it. He said, well, we can't do it right here. I said, why not? Because I didn't understand that kind of drug that you had to sit your way, you to position yourself. I didn't understand that drugs is what you take in the street. You just take the drug right here and let's continue talking. I thought we were going to do it, but it wasn't that. <laughs> so he said, all right, wait. And so during our conversation, he's talking. I said, man, where's the shit? Are you ready? And he said, oh, no, wait. And so we go. The interview's over. So we go in the room over here in Mexico somewhere. And um, with, with he give me this, like, crack pipe, and he put some... The golden dust. It's like gold dust. He put gold dust in it and he, said, and he lit it and he said, inhale. And once, that, once it came out, when it was all cool. Once it came out, whoa. I, oh, this is the first, this is what I said. Oh, shit, I fucked up. These white motherfuckers killed me. I'm dead. <laughs> Oh, shit. Fuck, why am I trying to prove I am dead? Oh, shit, I'm dead. And um, I woke up, I guess it was 10 minutes later, and man, I was so afraid. I didn't what know was what it? happened. What was the first thing? What was you know what that was the first thing you did? The first thing when it hit me? Yeah, what was the but what was the substance? What was the thing you were It was smoking? the toad. It was the toad, okay. 5-MeO-DMT. Okay, okay. Um, okay, yeah. I've seen um, Aztec pyramids. I see hieroglyphics. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing chambers of the past. I'm, it's just, it's, I can't see myself. It's, no, it's just energy. My body doesn't exist, and it's just noise. And oh, you can't even, you can't even explain. I stopped breathing. I died. And I was telling the guy, I said, I'm not dead. Am I? I'm dead. I am dead. I'm dead. Right? I'm fucking dead. Keep it. You can be real with me. I can handle. I'm dead. Right? And um. I was so scared. Once I woke up, I said, where's my wife? Where's my family? I, I, where's everybody at? And I said, do they know where I'm at? Do they know I'm here? And I was just, um, I've never experienced anything like that before. I actually died, and um, I didn't know what to do. I just stripped me of my ego. I thought I was a tough guy. When it strips you of your ego, it's like ego killing. Um, ego death. Yeah, killing drug. And once it kills, you don't know, man. You feel so you don't even know what you're afraid of. You don't know what you think somebody's gonna kill you, fuck you, rape you, murder. You don't know what's gonna happen. Yes, fuck. You're happy it's over, but after it's over, you get that um, them dwarfs that feel like what the fuck happened. 
And I'm just so happy to be up, and I'm fucking crying. I'm holding people. And that's the first time I did it, right? All the drugs you ever did your whole life. Yeah. You did a lot of drugs. Yeah. Right, a lot of drugs. Yeah. We went to rehab, did the whole thing. Did all the drugs. Ten that we, times. Did yeah. all, did all the, the drugs we... Big time. Right, did. Okay. Big time. All right, so you did all that shit. Yes. You're 53. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the first time you really did psychedelics <laughs> yes. was, was at, at age yes. 50, 52. Yes. And it changed your life. Yes. You're like, so how soon after you first did the, had the toad experience, how soon after did you do it again? I did it again that day, same day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's then good. I did, it, I did it around three more times the next time I did it. Yeah. Which was like a month ago. Okay. You know, and, um. So what's the, what's your total, your toad, you've done a half a dozen times now? Yes. And you're. And every time it's a different experience. And you're, oh, I know. You're all in. Yes. You're all in. What about you? I can't wait to do it again. Right. Well, let's, let's, fuck it. let's get some. Some of that DMT in yeah. right now. Let's go. Have you guys ever done a, have you guys ever done a pod while you guys were all while uh, doing DMT? I know. Oh my god, that's a it doesn't last that long when you do the DMT. Yeah, help yourself there, John. No, I'm, uh, well, I, I figured the tray's there for a reason, yeah, right? Course, I mean, I brother. looked. I consider that kind of a. I like haven't. A, I haven't done the toad. I've done DMT and psilocybin and LSD, and I think that. You know, anyone who tries these things, guys like Rick Doblin. Yeah. Had you tried psychedelics at that point? Yeah. You have? Yeah. I mean, to me, the experience is. I would say that has, by the time I was a, by the time I got to graduate school, which was that, was that 1988. So I was like, I was in college in 19, 1983, 1987. There were not that many substances that you could name that I didn't have not tried, that I had not tried by 1988. There was like some. Yeah. There was some. It would be on the li- on the list of stuff that there is to try versus stuff that I hadn't you tried. Tried a lot. The list was over here was a lot longer yeah. than the list over here. Hey, I get it, dude. I totally you know, get after that. After I did the toy, I never wanted to do cocaine and another drink. And yeah, another drink. I mean, yeah. for me, it's something about these experiences that is so uplifting, connecting. You know, it dissolves. The disconnection, the isolation, you know, in any way, even if you are alone, right. you know. But you've done now. You've done MDMA. Uh, I haven't done MDMA. All right, you gotta, you gotta make some progress. You got, we gotta help him. I don't know. That's I'm like not really called the MDMA. Well, you don't have to be. Yeah, you don't have to be called that. I'm just, I just think you should. That's really, my vibe. You should though. broaden your experience. Yeah, it's a. So you got one, lo- one sure. life, man. One life, dude. I as mean, far as I know, I've been really. No, I think we're here a lot. Yeah. Oh, you do. You're you're a, re- a reincarnation guy. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. You know, I think that's legit. Yeah. I just, you know, I think it's a it's an interesting thing about like if you believe, if you are, I, I've always th- thought about the notion of like people who believe in reincarnation versus people who don't, right? Like what the, how that changes your life. Yeah. Your life philosophy. If you think you're coming back. Yeah. You have a different approach to I, things than if you think you're only here once, right? It's not that as much as. Do you think that's as, how ego thinking that we're coming back saying that? Yes. Yeah. I, do. I don't. I, I think do. that I do. the only way I can conduct my life is guided by the higher power that I've come to have a relationship throughout my life. Right. You know, and that's not, that's just whatever it is inside me yeah. that tells me when something feels right and good and when something feels off yeah. and wrong. You know, hey, and how do you feel? Um, how do you feel that every, everything we learned since we've been a child about the world has been a lie? How do you feel about that? Uh, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? I don't know. You know, I'm fucking um, Adam and Eve, fucking Christmas, and all that bullshit, and how this shit got with you know Martians came here and fairy tales <laughs> did this, and my 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 baby my baby was born without a dick and come, you know, all that stuff. Well, I, some of those stories I'm familiar with, and some of them I'm not. But um, I, you know, I, <laughs> some of those stories, like like the Santa Claus Christmas thing, I'm familiar with. The dickless baby thing, I don't know as much about. That's somebody, not that's not what I know. Somebody about. being born without having. <laughs> no, I, I understand. I'm just I'm just saying. I don't I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. I think you know. Someone um, would say the ego, the the angels blessed them with yeah, yeah, bless these people, yeah. John, so what is your take on life then? Oh, dude? Come you on, think man. we're just here? What kind of a podcast? Once? What kind of a podcast is this? This is like a fucking. I like. Are you my priest? My shaman? Which one? 
More like, like a shaman. Well, maybe. Well, more like a shaman than a shaman. I don't know, man. You're a, this is not my area of expertise. What are we no, fucking no, here? No, no, you, your feelings about my My sense about my... But I, this I, ties my, into your overall feelings about the state of the country. Yes. Trump is a president. I think the it fucking, is. fucking, you know, abortion laws being put into place in 2019. Yes. All of this How shit is How do you feel about somebody together. telling a woman what to do with her body? Like, she's useless. That she doesn't know what to do with her body. I, I feel... She's a fucking puppet. I feel very strongly opposed to that posture. <sighs> and, and I find it really troubling that there's anybody who thinks that they should be able to legislate control over um, over women's or anybody else's bodies. Uh, so I'm I'm against that. How do... Um, who gives them the right to have even fucking authority over women? I, I, I think Why do women have a fucking authority, a fucking counsel for their own fucking living they're totally two different species there's a question there's a question a lot of women are asking especially right now when they feel like they're having a lot of their rights constrained or stripped away from them for sure i'm not a liberal guy you're not no and and i I really believe that you know women should have their people they should be able to live their own right and they should even have their own laws because we're fucking we'll violate them anytime we get a chance that's our nature as men to violate the weakest sex even the kindest men yeah uh I think I don't know. Yeah, what's the worst? What's our question? What's the question on the table? I don't know, John. I don't, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I just uh, you know, as far as here's my question. Here's, here's, here's uh, my question. Yeah, go ahead. Why does it matter? Why the fuck does it matter to stand up for what you feel is right? Let's say standing up against some of the policies of this current administration how come a woman's not making any laws over abortion how come she can't make a right over abortion how come this is a bunch of fucking men are going to make a fucking rule over a fucking bunch of women how is that fucking right why is that important if this life is trivial and you only get one shot at it why is that important well i'm not sure that i i i, I we're going to, to uh this is like a you know, not a political philosophy question, but a philosophy philosophy question. I, and again, I, I claim no expertise to this, nor do I think anybody really could possibly give a shit what I have to think about it. But I will say that I think that that to say that you only are here one go round and that there's no either reincarnation nor heaven or, you know, there's no afterlife. If you believe that you are here as a corporeal being, you're going to be here for however many years. And when you die, it's over. Your consciousness is done. You've finished. I don't think that's at all that the corollary to that is that life is trivial or that I think, you know, you could argue the opposite and that, you know, we are, you know, we have an, a sort of profound obligations to our fellow uh, travelers on this planet for however long we're here. And that in fact, the, 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 the notion of life as a, uh, as a finite thing sort of increases the level of responsibility that you have to, uh, to, take that limited gift that you have and make the most of it. And that part of making the most of it involves responsibility to your, your kids. Uh, if you have them and your grandkids, if they have them, um, you know, to your elders who bring you up that you have a, you have a, you're more, you know, this is, if you only got one shot at, it, you've got to get it right. And, and, and I think, you know, the fact that, that we as a species, I don't have children. So, uh, I speak as someone as an observer of it, but like that we have that there are lots of people out there who have, you know, descendants, right? And that our obligation in our finite time here is to try to make sure the world is as good as it could be for them going forward. That like, so that I, I'm not sure that I, that's, I, my, to the, I, I think you can hey, feel, though, right on. I think you can feel a profound sense of social and political responsibility. Uh, regardless of what your view is about these things, whether you think that they're, whether you're an atheist or whether you're a Christian or whether you're a Jew, whether you think there's an afterlife, whether you don't, I think all of those things still push you towards having, uh, having a, a sense of responsibility, a collective responsibility to try to, to make the, the place that you are for you and your descendants and the species and its descendants to make that place as, as habitable and sustainable and just as possible. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's not a, I don't, I, that's not exactly a potted worldview for me, but that's, I think that's the answer. If no, I think great? I think that's the answer to the question of why you should yeah. give a shit if we're only here for one life. I don't think yeah. we know anything. That's a good that's what I that I agree with that. I that think is, we don't know anything. I was yeah. told if you take a guy that lived to be a hundred years old and he partied all his life for a hundred years, and you take a guy that discovered the world for a hundred years, and that's all he did for a hundred years, at the end of the day, they both would know nothing about the world. 
this world is, you know, is um, it's unknowable. It's, it's, it's inconceivable. It's inconceivable. I, I, you know what it looks when you look at us on a, on a with a camera inside the um, the atmosphere. And you see the other planets. It's almost like we're in a body. We're in some large body, and we're fucking probably a cancer or something in this body. Maybe. We're just yeah. bacteria. Yes. Because it's, sorry to give you yeah. the impression. That, I know this is like we're like men. No, John. I just you're you're the we man. We are bacteria. Dude. No, we are back. We are some nasty motherfuckers if we didn't get those shots. Yeah. yeah. If we didn't get those shots, because right now we go to those um, Jawas, those guys that's in India on the island that's never seen men for like sixty thousand years. Seen, and if we go right there. If they don't kill us with the spears, we're gonna kill them in two days or two weeks because yeah. we're fucking filthy. <laughs> Yeah. And we and we have shots, we have shots, and we're going to still kill them. Yeah, it's pollution. Yeah. So yeah. what's like? I, what's the, in the? You guys don't like when you have to do this this podcast. I looked at the at the many guests who've been on it, and they've, it's a, it's an awesome achievement. You guys have got this thing going. Um, there's some great conversations that have happened here, but you haven't had a lot of people in here who've like talk. You guys don't talk a lot of politics in here, right? No, it's not like a thing you do. So, like, I'm curious, like, what's your, you know, but I'm most down. most let's people, do let's do it. Most people in the country right now, wherever they stand on the spectrum, feel like have a very strong reaction to the president of the United States. Like, yeah. a lot of people hate him. Some, a lot of people love him. He's got, you know, but it's very polarizing. And and yes. and the, there's a sense for a lot of people right now, the stakes are really high, right? That like somehow this presidency is a little different. To go to your thing about like. You know, how many chances do you get? Like, why, on, on some level, you could, you know, you say, well, you know, the president change, can change every four years. Why do we give a shit about any one of them? You know, there have yeah. been, there have been a lot. There'll be a lot more. You know, anything's, you know, remediable down the line. And yet, for a lot of people right now, they feel like Trump is different. It's not like right. they don't look at Trump and say, well, here's a president who's kind of, he's here transiently. He'll maybe do some damage. Maybe he'll be good, depending on your point of view, but eventually he's going to go. More people right now feel like it's a fucking four alarm fire. It's a state of emergency. Like the country's at stake. The, that that the gravity of all this stuff, the Trump again, whether you love him or hate him, either poses a unique uh, capacity to cha- to make America great again, or you think like most liberals and I would say a larger number of people. Just statistically, it's true that there are more people who don't like Trump than like him. You know, who are like this guy's a threat to American democracy. Yeah. He could fuck the whole country up, and we could never recover. Yeah. So that's how people feel right now out in the world. So I'm curious, like. You know, what do you guys think about that? Do you guys think this is – do you give a shit about I think, Trump? I think American people panic too easy. They're quick to panic before they want to um, – what, what can I say? Um, dissect the problem. Oh, shit, they're coming. Oh, shit, the niggas are coming. Oh, God, this. Oh, God, this. And um, we panic too much without <laughs> analyzing the situation. Yeah. And that's what I believe in. We, and Definitely I believe, that. And I believe Trump brings out of a lot of fears of us because a lot of people with that mentality believe whatever he says is true. Oh, shit, the Mexicans are coming to get us. We need the wall. Right. You know, it's not because, you know, some people could look at Trump and say, this guy's a fucking idiot or something. And then some guys could look at him and say, he's right. He knows what he's talking about. Right. You know, but the, thing, the deal is, is that it's about you as a human being. The majority of the people work like this because I was one of them fucking poor slobs. We, um, we, we have no information. So only our information is just the television, which is lies. And after the television tells us what happened, we go in the neighborhood and we explain what the television told us and this right. is what's going to happen. Yeah. Now, is that just... Um, Propaganda. Not only propaganda, but if that's just uh, such an um, antiquated way of getting information and believing information, it's a whoa, you know. Yeah. It's the people, it's our minds that are uh, molded. We've been molded for hundreds of years, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years. And then we've been changing. You know, we go from slavery, we go from slavery, we go to surfism, then we go to um, communism, and then we go, try to go to a capitalism. And then... um. Capitalism poisons everything. It takes communism, and now we're going to start selling things in communism. We'll sell pictures of Mao in communism. That, we'll still be communist, but that won't be bad. We'll live, we'll, live like, um, we'll live like capitalists, and that's just what the world is going to. There won't be no more. On, communist is only a name now. There's no actual communist that's really happening in the world. You know, that's right. just what's really happening. Not in Laos, um, not in Cambodia, not in none of those Not places. Russia? No. What are you? What's Russia? Russia is the most capitalist country in the world, probably. But how is it run with the people? How is the economy? Uh, the economy is magnificent. But listen, they need to... Uh, wow. Ooh, I, I don't, <laughs> don't want to get there yet. Hold on, hold uh, on. Listen. I want to answer John's yeah, question yeah, from my yeah, perspective. Wanna, Please. I, the ti- I think the title of your show, The Circus... Yeah. 
is a perfect explanation of that, I was just explaining the circus. Yes, exactly. I was, that's what I said. What I'm I mean, so, I was just explaining the circus. You know, to me, it's, you know, I, I have a lot of feelings about Trump. I, you know, I, I don't know what to say other than America got exactly who we deserved. The Democrats fucked up a lot of shit, in my opinion, in that last election. They're probably to the looks the of it, to me. The Democrats are going to fuck it up for themselves again, and Trump is probably going to win because they think Biden is the fucking leader of the pack. Which fuck me if he's the fucking next guy. Um, why is that? <sighs> A lot of people love Mister Biden. I don't. I don't like him for very. I mean, really? Tell me. Tell yeah. me. Tell me. I want to hear this. I I mean, hear he's it. got just very old ideas. Um antiquated he has some weird fucking shit with young women girls i've got a lot of skepticism around some of those high level individuals and and their practices as far as that goes um and i just don't like him i i don't understand why he's even deciding to run now you know it doesn't we make don't have any it well, who else is gonna run who look name i mean people. i like bernie sanders really dude. i like bernie if my mentor cussed him out with a life, he would go with Bernie Sanders. I why, love why, Bernie. Why is that? So, con- so fucking communist. Right. So sure. Yeah. He's a- communist. Ain't communist. Cuss was a communist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the state of the world is very, it's in a, it's in a state no, of yeah, transition. Look, 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 I got Mao. Sure. I got, I got, I, I got Mao over here. I got Che here. I was very communist. We were raised in a communist ideology. That's it looks lost. good that's on paper. Lost. That's why I lost all my fucking money. I gave looks it all away. Looks good. Looks good on him. You it know, <laughs> I gave, I gave everybody my fucking money, thinking I was helping people. I was just fucking giving people money. So for John, you, it's so just a circus to me, man. I, I do. I do. Look, there's and, no. Yes, I told you. Know, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in it, and I'm very skeptical right. of my government. Well, it's funny. Know? I think that there's a there's a lot um, like in that is like a lot of. Like, you're not alone. You know, there's like millions of people like you. Like, that's a more common, you know, I live in this world where we all take politics really seriously. And I think, I'm, and I'll argue to the day I die that you should because it has a huge effect on millions and millions of people. But we, you know, for the people who like follow this stuff day in and day out, they have very, you know, various opinions about things, right? And various opinions about people and assessments and what policies they favor, or what personalities they like or don't, what they think is politically effective. In the end, though, they all feel like, there's a caring about it that much, like knowing that much at a detailed level and having those views is sort of like conditioned on the notion that you think that it's a legit enterprise, right? That right. who's who, like that 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 these are the legitimacy of the whole thing of the whole game is inbuilt in that way of looking at it. But what I think is true is that if you go around and talk to a lot of people just in the country, they don't their their presumption isn't that. Their presumption is that it's all a fucking scam. Yeah. And that like this the, the system, you know, these are part of the reasons why Trump was powerful. Right. Because like him talking, you know, you talk about the system, you know, Bernie Sanders and and Trump are powerful in a lot of ways in, in a similar way, at least they were in 16 yeah. because they were like the system is rigged. Now, tr- yeah. Trump is full of shit about most of it. Yeah. But but as a thing that people heard over and over again, which was, you know, I, the system is rigged. Everybody's kind of trying to fuck you over. And this whole thing in Washington is so fucking dysfunctional and so corrupt and such a fucking bunch of bullshit yeah. that what I'm going to do is I want to blow the whole fucking thing up. Yeah. And for a lot of people in 2016 who voted for Trump, it was like – and for Sanders yeah. in different ways, obviously yeah. totally different guys. Absolutely. And, and, but the, that thing – I totally agree with that you. That visceral thing for a lot of people was I know Trump's a clown. I know he's a fucking liar. I know he's not really a billionaire. Possibly. I know all that stuff. There are a lot of voters who felt this way. I know all the things that are fucked up about him and even – I, I know he says this racist shit about, about Mexicans across the border. I know all that stuff. But you know what? Like, if I vote for the other person, the same shit's going to happen. It's just going to be more of the same shit. And the last, like, 30 years has just not helped me very much. Yeah. It's not really working out really well. So I'm willing to accept I – mean, yeah, I'm speaking here as a lot of people who voted for Trump, I think. We're part of, like, I know all the problems and I know all the risks. I get that he's all yeah. those fucked up things. But the only th- – but I'm – at least – He's going to change something. He's going to blow the whole thing up. He'll blow it up and we'll see what happens. Hey, but imagine this, guys. Imagine you're a fucking black person and no matter who I vote for, I'm still going to get killed by the fucking cops. 
and another perfect example exactly. of the of the thing. So I think for a lot of people, there's just an element of like th- their frustration with the whole process and their sense that it's all not on the level, that it's like it's a scam in some way, and that that's why people, why so many people are are pissed and disenfranchised and dis and alienated from the whole thing. And it's how things like Donald Trump can happen yeah. is when there's a lot of people who are looking at the whole thing, just going like. Of you know, course. This is bullshit. Yeah. So let's blow it up. So I, 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 all I'm saying is I think that is – as you think about what's going to happen, people are not less pissed off than they were four years ago. Yeah. People are not less disenfranchised. People are not – people are like even this in this relatively good economy. People look around and Trump says the economy is great. The economy is great and it's, it's, the economy is pretty good. Yeah. It's not you – know, it's not terrible. The unemployment rate is low. It's, you know, it's not as great as Trump says but it's pretty good. Yeah. And people are more pissed off now than they were four years ago. So the dynamics of like what's going to happen in the next 18 months as we – Trump runs for election and you got Democrats running against him. All I know is that that all of the all of the stuff that was out there, frustration, the anger, the distrust of the system, the all the other fucking viscerally terrible negative things that are around in America, all of the bad shit is not better. It's just as volatile and fired up as it was then. So it's not going to get a normal election, you know, and Trump makes certain that it's not going to be a normal election because he doesn't give a shit about any of the rules. He'll do whatever the fuck he wants. So I just predict chaos when people ask, act what's going to like over what the next 18 months are going to hold. I guarantee you that anybody who's making like, like certain predictions about what it's going to look like as this race unfolds. Yeah. Anybody who makes really certain predictions hey, John, is out of their fucking mind. Yeah. Yeah. Out of their mind. Hey, yeah. what do you know about your family? What, what? are you, Italian, Greek? Uh, that's a very good question, but it has nothing to do with Donald Trump, but that's probably for the best. Um, I'm an adopted child. So I, I literally, I know everything about my adoptive family, but I know nothing about my, about my genetic heritage. So, you know, I, oh, this is interesting. You say that I always say to certain people and then to myself, um, cause I did a research on something. I found something out and it really freaked me out. Yeah. So, um, I did a research on this guy, and his name was Alexander Dumas from, like, the French Revolution yeah. and stuff back then. Yeah. And he's a mulatto. He's a black guy, right? Yeah. His parents from Haiti, and he was in he was in um, Napoleon. He, even before Napoleon, uh, um, he was in other guys, too. The 16th, Louis XVI, he was in his army as well. So, But he got in Napoleon's army when Napoleon got army. And so I did research on him and stuff and his sons and everything. And then... um when I'm doing research, he was a, he was a he used to always go to war when the French um, Revolution hit the sword, and so I'm, I'm following his ancestry, right? I'm so awesome at that, right? So I'm following, and then um, I realized that um, in '48, uh, '48 and '40, '40 probably in the '30s, his family um, they turned they changed their name from Dumas. He married some Jewish man to Oppenheimer. They become they become. Um, Fences. He's a swordsman in the war. They become fences. They win Olympics. They're in the Olympics and stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Incredible, right? Yeah. But isn't, this is what I'm saying. This is only 200 years. He goes from black. Now he's um, a white Jewish guy. Wow. So I wonder sometimes, who was my first bloodline? Male. Who was the first one? Where did he come from? Was he black? Who was he? You learn more about your family as you did, you know, various things over time, right? You for a long time you didn't know very much, no, and shit. then and then you found like you for yes. some of the yeah. for some of the stuff you've done in media, you yeah. kind of like looked at it, right? Me and among my um, half brothers did a lot of research. Yeah. yeah, and so what's like what of all the stuff that you learned about your family? Uh, what's like what was the stuff that blew your mind most? Education, musically inclined. I'm not educated. I'm not musically inclined, but that was forced in that bloodline. Right, and so most of these guys are teachers, mm. musicians, and stuff like that. My son loves music. You know what I mean? He's an A plus student. He got um. He had got in- accepted in the school. I forgot the, the name. It's the school. It's a it's a school or organization that um. They um they had Bill Clinton in it. He was one, but my son he he got um. They want him to be involved in this program now, and it's going to be it's an amazing program, and um, I'm just so proud of him. Because I've never been to school in my life, and just to see them guys. I have a daughter that's um just came from NYU, graduated from NYU. She's going to be a, a, a producer now, a director, a producer in movies, and one of that stuff. And I'm really just so proud. And I just had a, uh, my oldest son just graduated from American University in D.C., and uh, I'm just amazed these guys are doing this stuff, and I've never been to school in my life. 
but it just comes from um, it's from genetics. Right. So awesome. My mother was a teacher. It's just what it was. That's what they did. That was important in their life during the Reconstruction. Education was important. Entertainment was important to them. You know what I mean? My brother was the first guy to interrace, um, that interrace, that integrated football in his school in North Carolina. Mm. Football. He was a great football player in high wow. school. That's awesome. It's great to learn all of that. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that's like... Uh, but what I saw about my, from parents, my family liked the party. They always wore out. They like dressing up, looking nice. Always, you know, they're very Southern, so they got their money on their birthday. They take the money on their, their clothes for their birthday. So you see money so celebrating somebody's birthday. That's cool. Very country people, very country. Well, Mike, you're not formally educated, but you're an educated man. That's probably my insecurity for not being formally educated. Uh, educated. I wanted to just know everything. And everything I know, I realize it's a lie, but if you know it, just knowing a lie is knowing something. <laughs> you know, just knowing these lies that make you somebody. Just because they're lies, everybody knows there's lies, but if you know them, you're cool. <laughs> I know nothing but a bunch of lies, but people think I'm smart. How am I smart? Because I know lies. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I like your, uh, I like this next chapter in your life, man. I like it. Good, right? I like it. I like it. It's good. I like it on a variety of levels. I like the, I like the, uh, I like the self discovery piece. I like the toad piece. I like the business piece of it. It's like a good like, you're heading into a to an excellent new chapter. It feels like. I, to me. Hey, listen. I never thought this would ever happen in my life. I always said, "Oh, this shit. I'm gonna die soon. This is gonna be over, man. I'm gonna catch AIDS. I'm gonna get fucking shot by this guy by fucking his wife or something crazy like that." And um, <laughs> everything just came to no, really, guys. Every, I know, you know brother. I know. Just, dude, nobody's, I making, just, nobody's making funny of me. Dude, I laugh because it's just so amazing to hear you be so honest about it. Yeah, you know, and you crazy. put it so matter of factly. And so beautifully that it's just, it causes me inspiration inside. No, but you know what? Listen, I didn't know how to live. Yeah. Like, I was a champ. I had money. I had every, all these, um, every day at my beck and go. I didn't know how to live. I didn't know what to fucking do. Like I said, it's one of the great American stories. Uh, I'm not kidding. It's, it's like it's true. It's one of the great American stories, and it's then it's not over yet, which yeah. makes Thank it like God. I love. I love the story where the big question is what's going to happen next. That's Hell like yeah. that's the thing that propels yeah. propels every great narrative, and that's what I want to know about Mike Tyson. What's going to happen next? Fuck We're going to conquer the world, buddy. Tyson Alexander Rand. the Great, baby. All day. We're not turning back, Mike. Maybe you're so interested in Alexander the Great because you're the reincarnation. No, I, I don't know. Bro. Whoa. Boom! We're Listen, done. Close all the loops. Yeah, we better Close go. Close all the loops. It's lunchtime. We, we love you guys. Check we us out it. on YouTube. <laughs> Subscribe to our channel. Thank I'm Evan Britton. That's Mike Tyson. This is John Heileman. We're out of here. Love y'all. Peace. 